0: So the big question is this, how are ambitious people like us who don't have a lot of resources, did not go to Ivy League colleges, were not born into wealth, how do we become resourceful enough? Use our creativity, our dedication, and a little bit of crazy to bootstrap our way to realizing our dreams. Whether it is launching a new company, launching a new app, or making it to the top of the corporate ladder. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. Please like, share, and subscribe to get new episodes, videos, and other updates. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. Today, I will be talking with Sarah Markwick. Uh, Sarah is a human resources manager who has launched a new podcast show called Don't Be a Jerk at Work. Uh, I'm sure we can all relate to that. Uh, I do really recommend to hear it because it's very funny and illustrative, and uh, they are aiding to build a better workplace through casual and humorous conversations. Uh, Sarah graduated in Human Resources from uh, British Columbia Institute of Technology, BCIT. She's also an entrepreneur, being the owner of the Light Lamp Consulting Firm. Uh, Welcome, uh, Sarah, and uh, we are excited to have you.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm excited to do this today.
0: Yeah. And uh, luckily, you are the first person I'm interviewing from Vancouver from same town.
1: Ha ha. We're both locals.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, OK, so uh, before we dive into the juicy stuff, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and experience so that our audience can get to know you better?
1: Sure. So I run my own HR consulting practice where I get to help my amazing clients build great places to work. Just like you, I'm a fellow podcaster. So I co-founded the podcast, Don't Be a Jerk at Work with two other smart, passionate women. Um, And we were recently on Global News here in Vancouver, BC, talking about our quest to help people create better workplace humans through our show. I'm also a writer writer. Uh, mom, and the captain of my hockey team. So, life is busy for me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, So, uh, this whole concept of don't be a jerk, how did that come about? Like, you know, did you uh, experience something in your own workplace or tell us some background story around it?
1: Sure, so the two other women that I created this podcast with Sandy Gunn and Tara Kamish, both have human resource backgrounds, just like me, so we have no shortage of uh, odd jerk behavior and strange human interaction stories to share, And we would often sit around and talk about our days over a beer on a Friday and commiserate about whatever uh whatever strange experience had happened in our workplace that week. And then we started thinking, man we should be recording these conversations. I I think people could really learn a lot of stuff from this. And that's how the idea of the podcast came to be.
0: Awesome. And um, do you you think, uh, you know, over the years, uh, this problem is getting worse? Or is it pretty much the same, but it's getting noticed more because of social media? And, you know, uh, people are sort of sharing their stories more often these days.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question. The response that we've had from the folks that have listened to the podcast is that it's very confusing to figure out how you're supposed to be showing up at work right now. Mm -hmm. I think with um, things like hashtag me too being in the news a lot, it's made people really think about how they're showing up at work and whether or not they're being um, appropriate and being jerks or or not. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, are you are you actually not a jerk, but you're just surrounded by a bunch of oversensitive uh, people? Mm-hmm. So I think it's um, resulted in a bunch of strange behavior and assumptions that people are making because they're fearful about coming across the wrong way.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so is it also working in the opposite direction where people are not able to express themselves because of the fear that they will be, you know, perceived as a jerk?
1: yeah I, I think so and um, you know one of the clients that I work with we we had a conversation with this about this at a staff meeting because it 's the kind of company where you play a lot of practical jokes on each other. Everybody wow. has a good sense of humor it 's not uncommon for somebody 's face to be printed out in, a, in some sort of a meme and put up in the kitchen and mm-hmm. People have a good laugh and it's always been meant in good fun, but all of a sudden we were looking at that stuff and going, geez, I wonder if anybody's offended by this. Geez, I wonder if anybody thinks I'm a jerk because I did that. Mm-hmm. Now what are we going to do? And the guidance I gave people on that was, listen, you just need to ask if, if you're wondering if people are thinking that your behavior is jerky, uh, the thing to do is just check in and see if that's the case. And I think we're in the middle of trying to figure that out. And I think it's our responsibilities as leaders to ask people and check in on our behavior. And then by the same token, it's other people, you know, the people that we're asking, it's their responsibility to tell the truth and let us know if what we're doing is offside. Yeah, yeah. And, and
0: uh, you, you you brought up a very good point earlier, like, you know, some people are also oversensitive and they, you know, even, even a harmless fun they take offense of that. Like, ha- have you experienced that a lot? And how do you address uh, something like that?
1: Yeah, I think I probably even experienced that myself. I've got a healthy sense of humor. That um, you know, and, and humor is something that hits people in different ways, depending on if they share your your background and your sensibilities and and everything else. But what I've thought about when I hear that somebody's maybe put off by something that I've done or said is: is it more important for me to be looked at as? Funny, or is it more important for me to be looked at as somebody who's not a jerk? Because right now, there's somebody in my workplace that thinks I'm a bit of a jerk because of the way that I've displayed my humor, mm-hmm. and that's—I think—that's the trade-off that you uh, y- you ask yourself if you're willing to make. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. all right. Um, and uh, you know, we have a lot of uh, uh, professionals and uh, you know, new entrepreneurs in the audience, so. Uh, Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, maybe give us some guidance uh, about how they should prepare themselves uh, for either, you know, entering into the workspace or maybe they will be promoted very soon and they'll be leading other people or the entrepreneurs, uh, you know, they are responsible for building a culture in their company. So uh, what should they be looking out for and uh, how should they, you know, um, come across and encourage other people to behave so that they have a very cohesive culture in their companies?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And I don't think there's one easy answer for it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, um, you know, knowing, knowing who you want to be as a leader is important. I think most of us show up at work every day just, Planning to be our best and and being a you know a nice good person, probably the kind of person that your parents wanted to raise you to be, and we think that's good enough. But if that were good enough, then there wouldn't be any jerks out there because I don't think that people get up in the morning intending to be jerks at work. Mm -hmm. I think it happens uh, unintentionally, and so the first thing is thinking about really hard, thinking really hard about how do I want to be viewed as a leader at work, and then what sort of things do I need to do in order to Demonstrate that to people. And then something I think about at the end of the day when I come home is okay, in those interactions I had, in those meetings I had with people, did I do the things that represent the leadership brand that I have? Mm -hmm. Is that person going home and telling their spouse about their interaction with me and using the same words to describe me as I would like them to use to describe me? Mm -hmm. And that's a nice little sort of um, gut check to use, I think. Mm -hmm. And Another is, is there anybody in your workplace that you're avoiding communicating with? Mm-hmm. There's somebody in your workplace that you're avoiding. Maybe they're difficult. Maybe they don't like your ideas. Who knows? Yeah. There's probably a good chance that you're demonstrating some jerk at work behavior.
0: Mm-hmm. I see. Um, all right. And, um, uh, you know, uh, I, have, uh, I have listened to your podcast and it's quite, uh, quite funny and informative. Thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. And I uh, particularly like how you have categorized the behavior of some bosses. So uh, I'd love uh, for you to share uh, some of these categories of bosses, and uh, maybe even give some advice on how uh, to avoid being such a boss.
1: Yeah, sure. Great question. So we did a we actually did a three parter on this because we had so many jerk boss archetypes that we had brainstormed out. But the point of it all is 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 that. Um, you know, not to necessarily label people as those, but when you see that behavior showing up, how do you respond to it? And if you're prone to exhibiting that kind of behavior, how do you check yourself and and make a change? Mm-hmm. So one of them is um, the busy boss. So, you know, this is the guy or gal who never has time for you. They rush through meetings, they cancel on things, they're late to appointments, they double book, they are overwhelmed and they don't make good on their commitments.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, um, uh I am this person. So uh, and I think what what happens is, is you get so overwhelmed with stuff and so busy that you start thinking that people are giving you a pass for this stuff. They can see that you're busy, right? They can see that you've got a lot going on. It's not like you're sitting there taking long lunches and not bothering with deadlines. And uh, you you can make the assumption that people are giving you a pass because you're so busy and they can see it. And often people People are not. And the other thing I've noticed for myself when I'm busy is my energy, what I'm putting out there is not great. I'm putting out this sort of stressed, negative energy. And the place I notice it the most is when my husband and, and my son come home uh, from work and from school. And I can tell in my tone of voice when they come in and say, How was your day? If the first thing I do is let a big sigh out and say, uh, mm-hmm. oh, and then it was really busy or really stressful or, or whatever. Um, I'm starting that evening off with all that negativity. And I'm often I'm not even noticing that I'm doing it because I'm so wrapped up in how busy I am. Yeah, yeah. So it's important if you're the type of person who's a busy person, and if you are bootstrapping, and you are an entrepreneur and trying to get stuff off the ground, there's no doubt that you are just remember that um, you got to think about, again, that leadership brand, what are you putting out there every day? And is it positive? Is it negative? And are you making assumptions about what you're able to get away with or not without checking in on your team and seeing how this is impacting them?
0: Yeah. Um, what about some some of the other ones? Uh, I know you have more interesting ones.
1: Yeah, maybe people can relate to the micromanaging boss. I think we've probably all all been there in some way, shape or form. And I When I get to be micromanaging, it's usually out of a place of fear. I'm uncertain about how this person is going to execute on something. Um, maybe I'm uncertain about my ability to give clear direction. So I give too much information. I do too much checking in. Um, I usually start off thinking that I'm being really great and accessible and available to the person, but it's kind of a bit of a guise of, actually, I'm really worried this isn't going to get done. So I'm, that's why I'm actually doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I think that's where it comes from usually is, is fear and, um, how to check in with yourself on whether or not you're being a micromanager besides just asking the people around you is by thinking, geez, on that last project that I gave Alan, how much time did I spend talking about the specific individual tasks that he needed to do in order to get there versus yeah. what success looked like and what yeah. the impact looked like, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: that's yeah. true. That's true. Um, a- any, any other archetypes that you want to share or uh, should we move on to the next set of, set of questions?
1: Well, maybe the last one I'll share because I think this will resonate with your listeners too is the, uh, the non-scalable boss. So Mm -hmm. this is typically somebody who's been promoted from being an individual contributor to being a leader of, of a group of people. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a tough transition to make because often the things that made you successful as an individual contributor are not the things that make you successful as a manager of a team or in, in a high leadership position in the organization. And all of a sudden, job satisfaction changes around what you're producing because you spend much more time in meetings and planning and coordinating than you do on actually executing. And that can feel really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember a development manager that I worked with uh, at one point who had just moved into that role and we spent the whole day interviewing for his team. And I said at the end of the day, wow, how do you feel? And he said, that was a waste of time. And wow. I said, why is that? And he said, Because all I did was spend my day in meetings. And I said, well, but you're spending your day in meetings looking for the next great team member. I mean, and we're a small team, that's huge. And we may have found them, but to him, moving away from actually executing on developing the product to spending Uh time in meetings with an HR person didn't feel as productive. But when you're scaling up, you have to learn uh, you have to learn that those things are really important and hopefully you've taken the position because that stuff gets you gets your juices going in a way that maybe the individual contributor stuff wasn't anymore.
0: yeah, for sure um, now uh, let me ask you uh, another controversial question. okay um, <laughs> uh, you know everybody who has uh, sort of read biographies of some great people uh, some of them they actually you know pride themselves to be jerks and it gives us this perception that you know being a jerk uh, gets things done and uh, you know the biggest name that comes to mind is steve jobs and i know you know a lot of people love him i love uh, his creativity but uh, we know that you know he was uh, uh, you know sometimes not very nice to his employees what what do you think about that like you know is that is that is that a true perception or a true notion that you need to be a little bit of a jerk to get things done or to overachieve or, or not?
1: I guess it depends on your definition of being a jerk. Um, I think having uh, you know, courageous, difficult conversations with people is a really important skill to have. And sometimes uh, you might be perceived as a jerk for doing those things. But mm-hmm. when I got to have one of those conversations, rather than make the barometer of success, how that person reacted to what I was saying, because you don't have any control over that, I think about, was I respectful? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Was I empathetic? Did I think about what it would be like to be in that person's shoes hearing this from me? And was I clear and concise? You know, did I babble on and on and not give a clear message or was I clear and concise? And if the person at the end of that is angry, hurt, um, tearful, of course, I'm not going to feel good. But rather than think, gosh, I really failed at that conversation, I'm going to go back to those things and think, well, okay, this didn't land the way I was hoping, but did I practice empathy? Yes. Was I respectful? Yes. Was I clear and concise? Yes. Well, okay. I did my job.
0: That's cool. Um, yeah. So, so basically you, you, you cannot control how other people perceive you, but you can control how you come across and, and assess yourself on these criteria. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I think that's the, the thing to pay attention to. We have to pay more attention to ourselves than, um, and what we're doing and what we intend to do. And if we're actually executing on those things, then we do uh, worrying about those around us. Now, I just finished saying you have to be empathetic. So it sounds like I'm contradicting myself. But the important thing to notice is just what you said. The thing we have control over is us. Mm-hmm. and focusing on that and being intentional about what we're doing is really important because as soon as it comes out of our mouths it's gone we don't have any control after after that
0: for sure um and yeah i mean we could we could uh, you know use alternate words to take what we said back but the the harm has been done i guess you know it's kind of hard to take that back um, all right. In in one of your podcast episodes, uh, and I found it interesting, you said uh, that, you know, you overcame the imposter syndrome. So tell us about that, uh, you know, because a lot of people suffer, uh, you know, ha- having that. And I, I went through it myself. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that.
1: Oh, I'm still a work in progress with that. Um, you know, imposter syndrome is really feeling like you don't deserve the success that you have. Mm -hmm. And it's usually, uh, about thinking that success for you is a result of external factors, Mm -hmm. a situation or luck or what have you, or it was all because you had a great boss, for example. Mm -hmm. And when you come up against what you might call failure, it's all on you you own all of that. It didn't have anything to do with any external uh, factors. Uh And it's a tough thing to get over. I think um, it comes from that little voice that sort of sits on your shoulder and tells you all the things in your ear that make you a bit freaked out about stuff. And a little bit of fear is healthy. Like for me, a little bit of stress is healthy too. But when you feed that voice and it takes over and becomes the thing that controls you, it can become really destructive. So gosh, it's not an easy thing to get over. And I mean, um, I was just on uh, global news for the podcast. And if you had seen me the night before, you would have realized that imposter syndrome was raining, you know, <laughs> harried notes, uh, over-preparing. Um, that's a sign for me that imposter syndrome is kicking in, over-preparing for stuff. Mm. So it's a it's a battle and it's a mindful battle, listening to that uh, voice and having the wherewithal to sort of shut it up when you need to. Uh-huh.
0: And um, can you share any, any techniques you used, anything, uh, you know, mental techniques or anything else that you used to overcome that? Maybe that'll help uh, some people in the audience who, who are going through this
1: hmm Yeah, sure. Um, I have a great, uh, pal that I call as a sounding board that she allows me to bounce this stuff off her. And rather than saying, Oh, you're great, Sarah, or "Oh, you can do it, Sarah. She masks me good questions about why I'm feeling that way. And usually uncovers that the reason I'm unfe- feeling that way is completely invalid, untrue, not proven all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I I decided that this year that I would say yes to everything. So this was one of my ways of getting over imposter syndrome and taking on new challenges. It was going to be my uh, year of yes, like the Shonda Rhimes book. and it was a great medium to long term plan but a bad short term plan cuz saying yes to everything in the short term is is totally overwhelming but yeah. it gave it gave myself permission to take on new challenges without worrying about whether or not i could because i went back to my look i said this year i was going to say yes to everything and that's what i'm going to do i want to be unafraid and take on new challenges as best I can and that's who I want how I wanted to show up and sometimes it's a fake it till you make it thing and once you get comfortable showing up and saying yes to stuff all of a sudden you realize geez I don't have that same fear as I used to or that voice is a lot quieter than it yeah, used to be yeah
0: that's so true like uh you know if if I go back and listen to my first few episodes they're not really good like you know I was I was fumbling all over the place but uh, I'm getting more comfortable now so that's definitely true. Just go out there, take action and uh, say yes, as, as you put it. And just,
1: then, yeah, just say yes. And then when it doesn't work out, say, oh, well, that's yeah. the other thing. Oh, well, you know, okay. And move on.
0: Yeah. There'll be a, always another day. Um, all right. Uh, and now, uh, you know, uh, one of the, one of the things that I um, I read or listened to you, uh, you emphasized um, that you should know your why. So mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, and how did you how did you uncover this? And uh, yeah, I mean, what's the story behind that?
1: Well, the Simon Sinek talk all about uh, that golden circle and knowing your why is is a great thing for I think everybody to have a look at. So if you haven't checked it out, do a little Google search and spend a few minutes looking at that. And um, I have a a coach who I've worked with in the past who's uh, who's works out of Vancouver. Her name's Lisa Martin. And one of the things she's fond of saying is that it's important to let your daily actions reflect your deepest desires. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be an artist and you aren't practicing art every day, or you want to, um, you want to be a, a kick-ass leader of your team, but you're doing zero leadership development on a daily basis, mm-hmm. then you're, uh, you're re- the stuff inside of you, that, um, the things that are those dreams inside of you that you want to bring to reality, if you're not feeding them every day, then you've got a misalignment in terms of what you're doing with your time and what you really want to be doing so it's important to know what those are so those things line up. Um, It's hard to think about achieving goals in big chunky terms, but if you think about what little things do I need to do in order to stay fit, for example, or stay healthy, what do I need to do today? And that's why things like the Fitbit work so well, right? It's just adding extra steps. It's such a tiny little simple thing, but it's, uh, it's what really grabs people and makes little tweaks in their behavior turn into lifelong habits and if you know your why which is so powerful you can become clear on aligning all of those things to bring you the success that you want and also hopefully reduce your stress because in periods of stress for me it's often related to me not doing the things that I really want to be doing and not spending the time on stuff that makes me really happy.
0: Yeah that's so true and uh, you know just to add to it like a lot of people I talk to Uh, They don't really go deep enough on their why, like, you know, they, you know, most of the people I talk to their why is like, I want to make more money, but they don't go uh, one level deep or several level deeps. Why do you want that money? You know, why do you want uh, to earn money or travel or do whatever the, whatever their true why is like, you know, to, to, to keep asking that question uh, over and over again and get to the, the root why.
1: You got Um, it. You got it money's a, an outcome, right? Exactly. Um, and it's, uh, it's an outcome of you pursuing whatever that why is for you rather than it being the pursuit itself. Yeah.
0: So, uh, that's interesting. So, uh, do you, uh, do you think then, uh, you know, even entrepreneurs who, who want to launch their companies or, uh, bootstrap their companies or professionals, um, once they know their why they can, they can do these small little things, take small actions to work towards their goal.
1: Oh yeah. Hell yes. My, my why is I uh, ultimately want to make, now this is, sounds pretty lofty and out there, but I want to make the world a better place. And I think that one of the ways the world becomes a better place is if we have better workplaces, because we have all experienced or know someone who's had a really crappy job and it impacts everything. It impacts your social life. It impacts your family life. If you have a family, it can impact your health, your mental health, all of those kinds of things. So, um, you know, the the reason this podcast came about, the reason I got into human resources, the reason I work with small to medium sized businesses that don't have the resources for sort of a permanent full-time person like me is because I want to help create better workplaces, create happier humans and, and a better society as a whole.
0: That's, that's very good and very, uh, very much appreciated for sure. Um, now, uh, Tell us a little now, deviating. Like I'll, I'll ask a couple of personal questions if, if sure. it's okay. Sure. Uh, tell us about your love for hockey and how did you uh, become a captain of your team?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think people see me as fair, approachable, and um, positive. And yeah. most importantly, I make sure there's ice and beer brought to every game. I think <laughs> that's that's critical. Yeah. Um, but I'm Any, I, anybody in Canada will
0: uh, definitely resonate. Like it, it'll. <laughs> It'll, definitely They'll definitely will
1: appreciate uh, it for sure. Yeah, yeah and I uh, um, I'm not the best player on my team by a long shot, right? Which is not typical for a captain. And I will tell you, it took me years to get really comfortable wearing that C and playing that role um, because I thought I didn't really grow up playing hockey. I learned as an adult. I'm not the best person on the team. I don't really know how to coach people very well. But um, I have a real clear sense of what I think a great culture on a team should be. Um, I'm good at bringing people together. I'm uh, approachable if people have problems and um, I've built a good environment that way. And, and most of our decisions we make uh, by voting, which funnily enough came about because of imposter syndrome. I didn't want to make decisions on my own and have people judge me for making the wrong ones. So we ended up having a little democracy. So um, you know, in, in that regard, having imposter syndrome contributed to the culture that we have. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, it kind of just came, came about by happenstance and I've been doing it for the last 15 years. It doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon.
0: That's amazing. Um, so uh, are you saying that imposter syndrome can be actually positive in some ways sometimes?
1: I think all of our experiences help shape us um, f- for sure. And as long as you can identify what they are and learn from them, they're, you know, they make you a better person at the end of the day. That's at least right. they have for myself.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's, uh, I think that's universally true. And uh, that's very well said. We just need to realize that any experience can be, uh, you know, it, it, non, none of the experiences we have are bad. It's just how we perceive them and how we take, uh, you know, learn from them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Does this become part of your story of failure? Or does this become part of your story of success? Make it one of success, right?
0: Exactly. Uh, all right, great. Um, is there anything else that I haven't asked you um, about, uh, you know, being a jerk or how to be a good boss or a coworker. worker
1: um, You know, I think knowing your why is, is really important. And I think remembering that as a boss, you don't need to have all the answers. I think there's a certain point in time. When you, um, things sort of, uh, the triangle kind of turns on its head. So instead of you being responsible for mentoring others around you, when you get elevated to a really senior leadership position, uh, or you're running a senior team, you're building that senior team, all of a sudden, those people are the ones that are mentoring you because you no longer have narrow, deep knowledge in one area uh, and you need to hire people around you to help you there so remembering that you don't need to have all the answers um, and not over relying on your experience um, trusting trusting that you can be successful without having gone through everything already for the first time yourself Mm is is key otherwise we never do anything new right if we assumed you were going to fail at anything that we did for the first time Yeah. yeah. And go, go easy on yourself. Be curious with the folks around you. If you're not sure how you're doing, have the courage to ask. And uh, you know, if you've built, if you're building a good culture, um, those people are going to be more than happy to help you out and give you some guidance and give you the answers that you need. We don't have to have all the answers when we're bosses. We just have to make ourselves open to receiving them from the people around us.
0: For sure. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, some people who do pretend to have all the answers, they generally end up being the jerks that we were talking right? about. Right. Yeah.
1: Precisely. Precisely. All
0: right. all right. I mean, uh, you know, I've been guilty of that in, in the past as well. So, uh, um, anyway, uh, you know, you learn and uh, you move on. Uh, so before I let you go, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your company? And I know, I think you have a book coming up as well. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about your company and the book and, uh, and and the podcast we already talked about
1: for sure. Yeah, 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 sure. So uh, my consulting company is called uh, Light the Lamp. You, you can tell I'm a hockey fan by the name there. And um, you can find me at lightthelamp.ca and I work with small to medium sized businesses that are passionate about building great Places to work, and I am currently working on a uh, collection of personal essays that I'm hoping to have published within the next year or so. I've been working on those for a couple of years. I really enjoy writing, and um, that whole vulnerable writing process has been a great learning experience for me. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'm hoping to get those out there sometime soon.
0: That's great. So, only with local companies, or you work um, companies uh, across across uh, geographic?
1: uh mostly local companies but i've had i have worked with a couple of companies remotely
0: okay okay great uh awesome thank you so much uh, for being on the show and uh, sharing all your knowledge and wisdom i'm sure everyone got a lot of value out of it and uh, hopefully you know we turned uh, a few jerks uh, around into uh, really uh, happy and uh, cheerful coworkers. workers
1: well hey that would be great awesome. thanks a lot thank for having me on the show
0: thank you thanks so again I am Manoj Agarwal and thanks a lot for joining us on bootstrapping your dreams show And now if you are an existing or an aspiring technology entrepreneur then I invite you to check out my new online workshop Bootstrapping your tech startup dreams Go to slash boot podcast and sign up for free I want to make sure more successful and sound decisions are made every day in your tech projects let's start finding solutions to your problems so go to go.tetranoodle.com boot podcast and i look forward to helping you with your tech startup